Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Doghouse from Federal Baseball on the line. Hopefully, Dave Nichols will be calling in soon. We have some technical difficulties getting this up on time. There's Dave. Good. Dave, how you doing, sir? I'm good. Sorry about that. I had such a timing for 7 o'clock, not thinking ahead. It was supposed to be at 8 o'clock, so we're good to go. Nats win 8-6 to six on a walk-off home run by Ryan Zimmerman. Another home run by Ryan Zimmerman. Andrew Miller hadn't allowed a nerd run all year, as far as I can tell. Looking back there, Ryan Zimmerman goes the other way. Two-run home run to right. 8-6 Nationals really sent the 37,000 fans in attendance home. Happy days. Yeah, you know, it's a huge crowd always when, when the Yankees are in town and um, there's a, a certain segment that, uh, that are there cheering for the Yankees that uh, Zimmerman sent all the Nats fans home happy. Um, you know, Andrew Miller has just been tremendous this season. Like you mentioned, he hadn't given up an earned run all year long and then uh, um, got a, enough of it to hit a laser down the right field line that that didn't hook or curve or nothing. It went straight for the foul pole and um, Mr. Walkoff did it again his 10th career walk off put them in some very illustrious company and um just an exciting end to uh to a pretty uh pretty fun ball game. Doug as I know you're in attendance. Do you have a feeling Ryan Zimmerman was gonna do it again when he walked up there in the bottom of the pit, bottom of the tenth inning? Well you you know what a doomster I am. You know, I was I was convinced <laughs> that Roy but Roydersen was gonna come in there and get a go ahead home run, but in, instead of uh, he did not. But boy, when Zim steps to the plate, uh, you, you you learn not to try to hope too much. But Zim came through for us anyway in classic Mister Walkoff form. And I, I got to disagree with you, Dave, on that one. Uh, you know where I sit, I'm basically looking straight down the third baseline there from the upper deck, and that thing had a wicked hook on it. And I, 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 <laughs> Mrs. Doghouse and I were just sitting there, willing it to stay fair with our body English, and when it bounced off the foul pole, just that. Oh, my gosh, the place went nuts. Dave Gio Gonzalez was rolling through three, got a lot of trouble in the fourth, though. 40-pitch frame, ends up giving up the lead in that inning, uh, ends up with 85 pitches after he hung a two-run home run, uh, hung pitch up for two-run home run by Teixeira, 15-pitch fifth, leaves him at 85 pitches, 30 pitches in the first three, up to 85 after five, really just lost command at the end there. Yeah, it was interesting because the first three innings he was just cruising. He generated nine ground, ground ball outs and um, was working really quickly. His pace was great. He was throwing strikes, and then all of a sudden the fourth inning rolled around and he walked that first batter and the wheels fell off the truck. I mean, it was just uh, um, you know like somebody flipped, flipped the switch there and he went from good geo to bad geo just like that. And um, man, when when it started going bad, he had no control over what was going on. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And um, just uh, just a, a really tough start for him. Uh, he, he had been pitching, um, you know, pretty well of late, but, um, you know, this was just one of those cases where he lost his release point and um, didn't have a whole lot of control over where the ball was going, and then he starts to guide it, and he loses a mile or two an hour off the fastball, and um, it just turns into batting practice, and that's what happened for him today. Doug, has Nathan Eovaldi on the mound for the Yankees today? I almost said Marlins there again told New York reporters this week that he is familiar with the Nats from his time in Miami, knows how to get them out, 2-4, and 4-7-6 four, four, ERA, 284, 337, 394 line against versus the Nationals in 32 and 39 two-thirds in his pitch in his career before tonight, 
three and one, four one four ERA, four oh nine ship on the year with the Yankees. Solo home runs by Ian Desmond and uh, Bryce Harper early in the game, though. Apparently he doesn't know how to get those two guys out. They both went to right field. Uh, Desmond with an opposite field blast on a 3-1 fastball. Harper, 2-1 slider, takes it out the right field as well. Yeah, knows how to get the Nats out, but not how to keep them in the yard. Uh, both those balls were hit so hard and so low. I, I was not sure they were going to go out until they actually cleared the wall. Harper's especially, I, I thought that was going to be a, a double high off the wall, but it, it got above it by a foot or two. Uh, Eovaldi has always pitched the Nets tough, although usually he doesn't beat them. You know, as you pointed out, his record is, what, two and four against the Nets. So, uh, again, tonight, he may know how to get them out, but he doesn't know how to beat them. Hold on, I'm skipping ahead in my notes here. We put this show together as quickly as possible. <laughs> Uh, after tra- trailing, trailing six to two, Dave, they rally for three runs. Naki of all the out in the fifth, RBI double by Clint Robinson and a pinch hit appearance, single by Ian Desmond over the over shortstop. UNL Escobar drafting another one, six five at that point. A nice rally by the Nationals there to get of all the out of there and get back in the game after they fell behind six to two in the fifth. Yeah, and a really nice at bat by Clint Robinson there to uh, to come up with the base hit. And- um, Eovaldi's always been a uh, somewhat of an enigma. He's got that huge fastball, yet he doesn't strike anybody out. Um, and he's got no control over his breaking pitches. So um, when he loses uh, his, his command with the fastball, um, he doesn't have anything else to rely on. And I think that's kind of what happened to him there. Um, he's just started getting uh, um, nickels and dimes, starting with Robinson. And then, uh, um, like you mentioned, a couple of others came through with big hits against him. 6-5 at that point, Doghouse. Wilson Ramos comes up in the sixth inning. Goats gets ahead 3-0. Gets the green light on a 3-0 fastball. 96 mile an hour in. Puts it all the way over the left field bullpen into the about 10 rows back in the seats there for a solo blast. Hey, took a minute to watch it, too. 6-6 at that point. Ramos just absolutely murdered that one. Yeah, well, I guess it's about time we get one home run that is not on a line. And uh, this one majestically sailed all the way over the visiting bullpen and went about three rows back into the stands behind it. Quite quite an enjoyable mammoth clout there with the green light on 3-0. Uh, I, I see this as the, the Nats getting more revenge, trying to make me look a fool, because the other day I was talking about how they're not getting any production out of, out of Ramos and Zimmerman and, and a couple other guys, and Desmond is struggling. So... Uh, Put me in my place, I deserve it. He has an 18-game hit streak going into tonight. How could you say that? Well, I am kind of an idiot. (laughs) 19-game hit streak after the home run. Not a whole lot of home runs during that stretch, however, so good to see Ramos really get a hold of one and put it out. Yeah, you know, that's the the last bit uh, of his game that needs to come around here is the power, and it was good to see him really get a hold of one there. Um, as we've mentioned a couple of times before on the show, uh, Ramos has a really heavy uh, ground ball um, to fly ball ratio. So to see him uh, elevate a ball there, um, really get a, get a good swing on it and just, just hit the crap out of it um, is a good sign. I mean, I think everybody, uh, um, you know, expects to see Ramos' power come back. And um, the way the, the home run balls are flying out of Nats Park tonight, it's obvious that, uh, um, that summer is coming because the, the balls are starting to fly out of the park like that. Doug has uh, Bryce Harper had the home run in his first at bat. Gets a big chance with two runners on in the seventh. Gets a 2-2 slider from Chase and Shreve. Two left on base. The battle of former College of Southern Nevada teammates there. Harper really had trouble with the sliders there. I think he threw him a 
slider to get the last out, but Harper looked a little impatient there, like he was trying to get the big hit, which we hadn't seen from him over the last couple of weeks when he's really got on that nice stretch. Was it his first impatient bat in a while, or just filthy sliders, or both from uh, Chase and Shreve there? Yeah, I, I'm not sure he saw a strike that entire at bat, uh, and and not to be too unkind to two nats at once. That at bat was positively Taylor esque in its futility of chasing after breaking pitches. It, uh, th- this is this is the, the Harper that we thought had finally been been put to rest and grown out of, but I, I don't know if it's he was just wanted to come through and get the big hit. You know, taking the walk wouldn't be enough there, uh, or if he's just he's excited to be playing against the Yankees or something, or you know, just figuring he needs to get a hit every AB. You know, those were a couple of situations where he could have worked the count a little more in his favor uh, if he he laid off some pitches that we've seen him lay off earlier this season. But, you know, he <laughs> I, I'm complaining now that he only got a home run and a walk today and, and striked out twice, so I guess he did hit do a, uh, a double play another time. But, uh, you know, we, we want our cyborgs programming to be perfect, 100%. 50% is not good enough. Baby gets some nasty sliders from Shreve, and that at bat has to face Andrew Miller the next time around. Goes down swinging that phone, too. Is it just two really tough lefties he's facing there, or did you not like what you saw from Harper? No, you know, uh, two tough lefties there. I mean, Shreve obviously uh, uh, less so than Miller, but, um, you know, he, he's going to have these nights. I mean, he's going to see an awful lot of these lefty specialists um, late in the ball games, and um, and it's going to be up to him to either adjust or lay off. Um, you know, know you know know when he's getting into a good hitting account, and knows know when he can uh, when, when he when he should lay off and take his walk and let um, let the guy behind him take his cuts. But uh, um, again, like Doghouse said, it, it's tough to um, to find too much fault in the guy. Um, you know, the, the way he's played of late, um, especially since they're off. To, off of two tough lefties. I'm not going to give him too much of a hard time of um, maybe expanding his strike zone a little bit there. Okay, after Gio Gonzalez, five innings, six hits, six earned run, two walks, the strikeout, home run. Uh, Blake Trining comes on, really settle things down, two scoreless, uh, two strikeouts, one hit allowed over that. Thornton, Barrett, Storen, Grace keep him a really nice job by the bullpen here to keep it close and let the Nationals get back in it and take it to extra innings. Yeah, for, for all of his struggles and all of the guff we've given him on this show uh, to, to Blake Trinan, I, I was half kind of feeling for A.J. Cole that they sat him down and put Trinan up when the when the Nats got back into the game there. But Trinan came through, and he did uh, did pretty well against the tough part of the order there, uh, not, notwithstanding how badly Geo did against it when things kind of fell apart for him there. Uh, they're really a team with half a batting order right now. Um, and Trinan went through and uh, did Yeoman's work against the tough part of it. Uh, Thornton, I, I thought it was actually kind of interesting uh, when when Matty pulled him. It's almost like he forgot that he was in there against a bunch of righties and then pulled Barrett in quickly to to, to pitch to one of them. <laughs> but uh, it, it worked well enough, you know. It didn't didn't get too dramatic for us. And uh, the, the, between the bullpens and the bats, uh, the, the team really picked you up tonight. Dave, a two-part question for you here. Wilmer Dyfo, uh, Matt Williams talked before the game about bringing him up, explaining why they brought him up. Uh, it gives him an extra infielder when they were kind of uh, 
have enough outfielders to cover it basically on their roster right now. But with Worth out, they could use an extra infielder up there, so they brought him up. Kind of a surprise to everyone. So are you surprised that Dipo got the call today, 23-year-old, just starting out at double-A, really has about 18 games in there. And what did you think about his first hit? He lines a 96-mile-an-hour Owen fastball back to center for a single in his first major league at bat. Yeah, I'd say uh, in the as far as the at-bat goes, I, I thought it was a really good approach, and I think it's an approach that uh, um, that he's really established over the last year and a half. Uh, um, he took the pitch where it was pitched. He, he got good wood on it and, uh, um, you know, lashed the single over the shortstop's head. So um, I'm sure it was a very exciting uh, moment for him all day today, really. Um, I was surprised that they that they brought up Dyfo and not uh, um, and not another outfielder. Um, the Nats are kind of hamstrung a little bit that they only had um, a handful of guys that are on the forty man. Um, they have two outfielders, Matt Bendecker and, and Brian Goodwin, and obviously um, Goodwin really hasn't done much to to um, uh, to earn a promotion to the big leagues. But I mean, Bendecker started the season on the on the big league roster. He's got plenty of big league experience. Uh, the Nats put an outfielder on the disabled list. So I was kind of surprised they didn't go get one. But um, but if you look at the way this roster is constructed right now, um, with with Taylor and and Span and Harper across the outfield, they don't really have a need for a defensive out a replacement type of player. Um, they've got Tyler Moore and, and Clint Robinson for pinch hitting duties. Um, so I guess that they looked at their roster construction and felt that they needed to have um, you know another another player that can play the infield. Uh, Dyfo can play second, short. Uh, he's played some third in the minor league. So, um, you know, the, as long as Worth comes back um, when they expect him to, uh, they, they, the Nets should only have nine games where Dyfo is going to be on the roster anyway. So um, I guess at that point they figure nine games isn't going to destroy this guy's uh, um, development if they just go ahead and send him right back to the minor leagues, which I will expect them to do. Um, once they are ready to activate either Worth or maybe even Casey Jansen, when Jansen, um, if Jansen returns to the club sometime at the end of the week. And Delcas, as Dave mentioned there, the bad part of Dyfo being up is that Worth is placed on the DL retroactive to 516, so last Friday at least, so not going to be a full two weeks on there, but still not ready to swing, according to Matt Williams. The wrist is still swollen. They had the MRI, no ligament damage or no fractures in the in the wrist, but still swollen and unable to swing a bat even at this point. So are we worried that Jason Worth is going to have a rough time getting started here after starting the season on the DL and now back on it? Well, I, I think we have to, you know, because that's that's an area where, you know, he's he's hurt that exact same spot a couple of times before. And, okay, it's just banged up. I think it hit off the, the, the guard he has on that, uh, that part of his arm. But uh, – and the older you get, and I'm, I'm using older in quotes because I'm a good bit older than Worth is, and he's only, what, 35 or 6 or something like that. You know, you, you you don't bounce back instantly from anything, and this is, you know, an, an irritation on top of a place that he's had to come back from before and get back up to speed. And he, while he was showing some flashes when he got hit, uh, he, he was not the worst that uh, we've seen before and that we hope he can be this season. So I, I think, you know, we're, we're going to be a little nervous seeing how long it takes him to come back and what he looks like when he comes back. Uh, Will Medifo will be a nice little distraction. Uh, let's, let's hope he actually gets uh, a, a little bit more playing time just because I, I think it's great for the kid. He's been showing a, a lot real fast in the minors and had a great spring training. It's a little worrisome that he's up here at all because we shouldn't have to bring him up. 
But let's uh, let's hope he makes the most of it, and the Nats get worth back quickly in good condition. But I'm uh, knocking wood, crossing my fingers, spinning around, throwing salt over my shoulders, and looking for four league clovers as I say this. <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman sent everyone home happy, so we'll try to do the same. Nats 23 and 17 after the win tonight, eight and two in their last ten, and they're now tied for first in the NL East with the Mets loss tonight, 23 and 17 each of them. So. Going into tomorrow with the Yankees, they're a first-place team in the NL East. Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. Talk to both of you guys tomorrow. Go Nats!